the bonfires of social enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. This is Rami Gingrass, and on this episode, we're here with Tim Adams from Pivot Point, Recover at Work, which is an enterprise program of 1016 Recovery Network in Midland, Michigan. Hi, Rami. Glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today and learn more about your program because you really laser focus in recovering folks that are recovering from addiction programs and really specifically alcohol rehabilitation and all of the uh, issues that go with trying to transition back into the workforce. You've got some amazing things to um, we're going to learn about today. And ultimately, as we'll learn later in the podcast, eventually uh, the employees have an opportunity to work in a used appliance uh, store and do some of that work. So there's two parts to your program. It's an academy, and it's also a used appliance store. So let's first talk about what was the need, what got you motivated, and will you describe for us the actual problem when transitioning out of traditional clinical rehab into the workforce? Um, I myself am a recovering alcoholic and involved in the recovery community. And I can see so many people that are early in recovery that fail because they lose hope over finding employment or proper housing uh, and maybe no hope of ever getting their driver's license back. And it's very, you know, suicide's the leading cause of of, of, uh, death of drug addicts and alcoholics. What got me involved was just watching too many of my fellow recovering people not make it. The need is that the current system of, of treatment, the clinical model for treating drug addiction and alcoholism, um, you know, more commonly known as substance use disorders, uh, those are managed through a clinical system uh, with insurance companies and, and governments involved. And the pay system makes it so that it's almost like when you break your arm, you can go get it set and put in a cast and you're healed. Well, it doesn't work that way with alcoholism and drug addiction. They're lifetime diseases. So the whole industry is moving toward what's called a recovery-oriented system of care, where we take the person's lifestyle into account and help cure their lifestyle so that they can achieve lifetime or long-term sobriety or cleanliness. Tim, you talked earlier about what some of the the key triggers or the places that they face resistance when they come out of the programs and try to enter into the workforce. Will you give us a couple common examples that you regularly see? Um, substance use disorders, um, when someone is in active addiction or alcoholism, it becomes one of the key focuses or most important things in their life is where they're getting their next drink or drug, and sometimes it's physically... That's what they have to do. And they do that at the expense of the important things in their life, their relationships, their education, their employment, their housing. They have unfinished educations, broken relationships, felonies, you know, criminal activity that causes them pain in the future. They've made a lot of bad decisions while in active use and recovery. A lot of those barriers need to be overcome before they can get back to a real life. So it's typical that um, a recovering alcoholic has had a poor job history or didn't finish their high school education, may have to go and complete a GED, or doesn't have a place to live that's safe. You know, the environment that they come from may be worse than you can expect. I think we constantly think about uh, environments of people with that are under-resourced, but most commonly what you deal with with alcohol addictions are what we would consider in our society as the traditional corporate environments. 
where the culture there is the celebrational cocktail party afterwards, and that's where all the alcohol and drugs are provided in their work environment. Well, funny you say that. That's when I got crashed and burned 11 years ago. That's, I was uh, a traveling around the world for a major Fortune 500 company as a communications and marketing professional. And it was first class in airplanes and hotel rooms with mini bars and meet you for drinks before dinner and then drinks at dinner and drinks after dinner. And my whole lifestyle had evolved around alcohol and it was all completely legitimate and on a company expense report. I never abused the company's funds, but those things were perfectly acceptable as, as ways to do business. It's, it's interesting. Some of the most difficult things to release your addiction from are the things that are actually legal and legal and culturally accepted. And so how do you go back with what you've been trained for and go enter right back into that environment? So I know from uh, having an opportunity to talk with you, spend time with you earlier, that you really have this beautiful sensitivity to what the legitimate issues are around that, those subtle things that other that they're not going to find in the clinic, and how do they make that transition, and how do they resist? You really use that word uh, preparing them to resist, sometimes just creating awareness around what they may face and giving them tools to do it helps make that transition. Um, a recovery is a lifetime process, and one must treat his whole life. Um, I can tell you right now that recovery involves changing everything in your life. Who you hang out with, what you do for fun, um, what you think, what you study, where you live, where you work. It, you need to change your lifestyle. Going back to the, where you came is not a good option, generally. I mean, I've seen families sabotage their own recovering youngsters. So it's not something that has to happen in a day, but we realize that treating people where they live and where they work is a great way to do it. It's not about willpower. This is a disease that willpower can't overcome. It's about building tools that are, help people become resilient to relapse. Um, just a funny story, if someone says to me, go oh, have a drink, and I say, well, instead of saying, well, I don't drink, and then they go, oh, and they feel embarrassed, I say, well, I can't drink, I'm allergic to alcohol, and they say, you're allergic to alcohol, and I say, yeah, I break out into handcuffs, <laughs> and, and they laugh, and it diffuses the situation, and my, that's a simple trick that I, I can use. Um, we teach similar tricks to people that are going to go back to their job in landscaping after having drug addiction. Um, into a hostile environment. They need simple tricks to teach their co-workers that they're not involved in the drugs anymore and that, that please don't bother me with that. So some of that, you know, we tell them just to say that, you know. But um, what we're doing is trying to foster a lifetime, a lifestyle change, a different way of thinking, and, and we, we do that for those that are ready, for those who have made their own decision that they've been on the wrong path. When they want to get on the right path, Pivot Point's here to help them, especially in their employment areas. So we want to bring them up to par with other candidates for employment. But because of the sins of their past, the mistakes they've made in active addiction, they may have felonies, they may have unfinished education and all the other barriers that they may have caused during their addiction. I can tell you, and the reason I do this is because after recovery, they are not the people they were when they were actively using completely different people. You won't recognize them once they're in recovery. Yeah, that's powerful. We all have the power to change. Let's talk social enterprise lingo here for a minute. There's always a social mission beneficiary, I like to say, somebody who benefits from your existence. So we know it's the recovering uh, alcoholic or addict that is trying to re-enter the workforce. 
But we also have this other social enterprise beneficiary, which is the potential employer. And you and I both know that there are lots of employers that are willing to hire folks without perfect backgrounds. But for a variety of reasons, you mentioned a great point earlier. We don't know who, which one, who's who. And your pivot point organization really can act like a filter. Will you uh, help us understand how that works? Good point. When our, our, our people are generally new in recovery, our clients, and of course they may be the biggest beneficiary of our services, um, you know, our, our training and helping them stay sober for the rest of their lives and building them back and giving them hope is kind of what we do. We provide the hope that they need that they can succeed in the workplace. But really what we're providing is a, a filtering mechanism. We did a survey of over 300 area employers and found that 84% of them are willing to consider hiring someone with a felony record, for example. I can tell you by looking in their eyes during these interviews that they all want to help people, and many of them will. But there are so many, especially in companies with a lot of entry-level positions, that when they get a lot of resumes in, it's the ones with the felonies that get set aside because they don't have the time or the energy to sort through, is this one really changed? Or not. So what we're doing at Pivot Point, not only do we provide training and hope for our clients, we're also providing a service to the employer of sorting out which ones are worth investing in. And they want to help, but they don't want to go over and over helping the wrong people. They want to help someone who's pivoted, someone who's made the decision to change their life. But as far as beneficiaries, if you can take a, an, ad, an addict or an alcoholic and get them into recovery and, and have them change their life in a positive direction... During active addiction, they're like a tornado in the lives of everyone around them. And the wind slows down. They start rebuilding their relationships. They start feeding their families. They start paying their bills. I think this is just this interesting point about creating a filtering system for the employer, limiting some of the risk. You're right. Employers do want to hire and help for the most part. I found the same thing around the entire globe, all the places that we visited. When we look at social enterprise, that is a common theme. And unfortunately, I'm so glad we talked about that on the podcast because I feel so often the employer's or corporate world is painted with a brush that they don't want to help. But they also have to be good stewards of their resources and they have to be fair to the other employees that are doing it right. So they don't want to bring on someone who's going to disrupt the team and be a tornado, as you said. So it's great. This is a powerful um, piece that Pivot Point is providing. Let's go back and talk about why the name Pivot Point. Well, Pivot Point, a pivot, if you look up the definition in the dictionary, it's to change direction suddenly. There comes a point in active addiction where you decide you can't keep going on like this, but you can't stop. They call that the jumping off point. And that's where you either fail or you get recovery. And once you get recovery and you want it and you've decided that you need to change your life and that you're, it was going the wrong direction, once you've made that decision, I call that the pivot point. And that's where if you're sincere about your recovery, I'm here to help you. If you're playing the game, you're in the wrong place. But we can sort those out and help those that aren't ready. Um, but so the, the name pivot point is, uh, is help for those who want it. There's plenty that need it. But it's a lot of work, and those who are willing to do the work are those who have actually made their own decision to improve their lives. We just help. 
So we've just kind of walked through the the how the name began and what who the beneficiaries are and what the issues are. Let's now talk about the the academy or the program, if you will, that uh, one of your participants would go through. Okay, once we take people or accept them into our program, it's a two-part um, program. The first part is Pivot Point Academy, which is a 12-week classroom um, study group where we train our clients in essential employment skills, things that employers want. Again, when we surveyed all of our employers, we had them rank for us what they want in in entry-level employees, and those are exactly the things we train. Um, The second part is Pivot Point Appliance Works, which is um, soon to open. We're still in the throes of getting that open. Um, It's soon to be a used appliance Uh, business where we'll accept donations of used, broken, or working appliances, and we'll clean them up and sell the good ones, repair those that are repairable, and and salvage the ones that aren't. But So the beneficiaries on that are are the the bottom of the pyramid who can't afford a brand new washer and dryer. We're going to have working units for them. Um, We're going to keep a lot of stuff out of landfills. We're providing employment, and really, if I look at Pivot Point as a whole, the classroom is the classroom, and the the Pivot Point Appliance Works is the lab, the lecture in the lab. So, you know, we'll start every day in the appliance business with goal setting. Uh, we'll, when an appliance comes in, we have to do a triage and find out what's wrong with it. Is it repairable? There's troubleshooting, problem solving, mathematical calculations of value, knowing that we got to provide value. If we don't provide value, we throw it away. Or take what value we can. So the whole concept of value is something that's important, and we teach that as well. If you get a job for $10 an hour, you better be providing $20 an hour to your employer in value, or he's going to get rid of you. The only reason that a company hires someone is to grow their business, period. And if you're going to go in there and not provide enough value to help the business grow, they have to let you go. That's a simple concept, but so many kids, especially with unfinished educations and history of addiction, um, don't get that. Right. In some cases, you're coming up against a culture of entitlement that either has been generationally preset, so that it is a bit of breaking that. I love this idea that you get to walk alongside of them after the class, classroom-type setting in an actual setting, walking through all those things, because you actually can stand with them in places of advocacy at times. I know that some of the judges are becoming familiar with you and some of the employers so you've had a chance to walk alongside them and see how they are behaving in all of these things so that you you can uh, really be an advocate or say, hey, gosh, they, they haven't really gotten it yet. Would you mind giving us an example of a couple of those stories? Certainly. When someone comes to Pivot Point, like I said, we're a filtering mechanism, and we decide or we observe them, and we know which ones are honestly in recovery and which ones are not. So the entitlement thing... No one will graduate from Pivot Point with an entitlement mentality, I can tell you that. Our brand is so important because that's all we have to offer the employer is assurance that this is a great guy worth or a great person worth investing in, and they will. Um, And if someone makes it through our academy, which has pretty tight, strict guidelines for graduation, I don't have enough statistics right now to tell you what percentage, but let's say it's 20% of our applicants graduate. I hope our brand beats them to the job interview as our reputation grows, and if not, I'll be there with them or I'll make that phone call. Um, we, we will build the Pivot Point brand up to mean reliable, honest, trustworthy, respectful, hardworking, value-centered employee. And what happens, in your opinion, 
in terms of a customer service, what happens if you recommend someone and they've had a fall and they're already in employment and the employer calls you and says, hey, you know, Joe here is not fulfilling the bar that you've set for them. What, what would happen in that hypothetical situation? We haven't experienced that yet, but it's certainly not hypothetical. I mean, because someone's in recovery, there are so many triggers and so many things that can happen in people's life that, of course, we cannot guarantee that they won't fall back into addiction. Um, they're going to be addicts for the rest of, or alcoholics for the rest of their life. It's a matter of controlling that and, and, and staying in recovery. So um, it happens that here in Michigan, the state has a bonding program that where the state actually bonds them um, mm. for six months, uh, people with high barriers to employment. And then an employer that takes on an employee, if they want, at a very reasonable rate, can continue that bond into the future. So that's one way of protecting the employers from the unknown. But again, our job is to make these employees known. Our first graduate, if I can go talk about her, I'm so proud. Um, she was a, a drug addict, um, pretty much living in her car about seven months ago, six, seven months ago. And um, she came to, uh, to our organization. She went through our residential treatment program. Um, she got out, uh, moved into our sober housing unit, uh, which is excellent, and then uh, became a member of Pivot Point. And she went through our whole 12-week program, graduated, um, is now full-time employed with benefits of 401k and was just named Employee of the Month in her first five weeks on the job. She's a star, and there's more coming after her. I would stand with her, bet what I have on her, and her, her current employer loves her. Oh, that's a great story. We look forward to hearing a lot more of those kinds of stories. The other thing that I think is such a point of interest, and I know this personally from all the folks that um, kind of come around Gingrass Global, is there's a huge swell of us, what I call us, uh, generalizing us former corporate people that might have spent 20, 30, 40 years in a traditional corporate environment. There's a whole need. We, uh, we attract a whole bunch of those folks because they're looking for something more. And 99% of them are battling with some sort of addiction because they don't feel they're connected with the cause or they're not in the right environment, they're not in the right workforce, or their passion doesn't match up with their environment. Uh, so as a human being, we find that they feel undervalued and they fill it with an addiction. It's really interesting. It's not who you think. And so I'm excited to he uh, keep up with you and see how that ends up getting sorted out because we have so many that come to us looking for a place to plug in and we're you know we're helping social enterprise and you're really getting to the core of the problem and uh, helping them you know address I think sometimes just giving them permission to talk about what's happening I find we we allow them to talk about whatever they need to talk about and we are so far from a counselor <laughs> but we it just happens they show up and have the conversation goes somewhere else and it's the real issue and they they oftentimes don't feel safe there's not a lot of places you can talk about this without risk to your career or your social circle and so I'm excited that you're bringing this into the light and I just have the suspicion by you reaching into the employer community that you'll be identifying a lot of folks within the employment community too. I see this really going in to the corporate environment and building programs from within too to prevent some of this. I know your early stage on the appliance uh, side of your enterprise. Will you talk about what you see your grand plans with that type of thing in terms of bringing in revenue? Let's, you know, let's go to the business side for just a minute. 
Pivot Point uh, Appliance Works is meant to be a social enterprise that turns off enough revenue to pay for the academy as well. And hopefully down the road, if we can grow like I'd love to, um, we'll be able to support other programs in the, around addiction recovery uh, within our parent organization. Uh, right now, though, Pivot Point Appliances should take people very early in recovery and at least give them some income in a safe environment where they're surrounded by recovery. You know, recovery, for me, is about finding someone else and making them recover. That's how you stay in recovery yourself, help other people recover. So this business is, is going to be a handful of employees all working together. They're all with the same mission of, of gaining lifetime and, and long-term sobriety in a working environment free of triggers and threats while getting an education on how to become a better employee. I'm really excited about what you're doing. Tim, do you think that uh, there's an application for Pivot Point to expand to other communities down the road? Uh, boy, i got to get this one going first. Um, we're trying to serve the local market, and I think as, uh, you know, we're not trying to import uh, more people that need help, but we certainly want to help the people that we have here. I think expansion of this is to clone it and, and provide the model free to other communities that could maybe duplicate what we're doing here. Certainly there's, you know, a, a small amount of geographic expansion just in our area, but I look more for our expansion to be um, additional businesses. Um, so not, not just uh, used appliances, but maybe it's paint recycling or maybe some other thing that can help us offer a more diverse work environment. Also, because so many of our clients do have felonies, some of them that are, I want to say fatal felonies, that are really going to make it very hard for them to become employed. Self-employment is an option. So if I, you know, expansion in my mind, although it's way too early to think about it, when I do, it's that we can help launch entrepreneurs into sole proprietorships. Uh, maybe it's upholstery or sewer cleaning or, you know, make up a, a business that a guy can start or a woman can start on their own and we can um, foster the growth and, and inception of that business. But maybe we can help start the business and then um, spin it off and let it be their business as long as they hire our recovering graduates. So that's kind of where my mind is right now, but it's really too early to talk about that. You're pointing to something that people are starting to, to use the term upcycling. You know, you're upcycling and... Uh, I talked to one woman, she, she, she was employed out of the homeless shelter into a retail business, and she said, I've been upcycled. And, I, and she's like, and now I'm working with products that I'm upcycling. And this concept of upcycling, I don't know if that's, a, that's an appropriate term, but the businesses that go well with an upcycling uh, human heart program matches well with other businesses that are upcycling and you've got one with appliances it's a running theme and, and those that have been upcycled in their heart and their life tend to have a heart to upcycle others and run businesses that that way so it's interesting that you've landed on that yes it's funny and i and i see that um, correlation there where we're taking appliances in seven, seven out of ten of them aren't going to make it but those three are worth saving and we're not only upcycling appliances, but we're upcycling the people. And, um, you know, the only difference is we never scrap the people. We just have them keep coming back. Oh, that's a great word. So how do they reach you, Tim? How, how would someone uh, find you on social media or website, phone? Well, our, our parent organization, 1016 Recovery Network, is at www.1016.org. Um, you can search Facebook for Pivot Point, and we have a page there. Or you can give us a call at 
492-7909. And um, I'll, I'll be the one to answer that phone. Tim, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. The Bonfires of Social Enterprise podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, listened to on TuneIn, and select episodes are now available via prx.org or the Public Radio Exchange, which is an award-winning public media company. For more information and to directly download episodes on your desktop, please visit bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com and find us on Twitter at Bonfires Podcast and Facebook, Bonfires of Social Enterprise. If you have time, please fill out the survey that we have on the website. It'll help us do what all social enterprises need to do, which is gather data from our listeners so that we can be better servants. I'm Rami, and I want to personally thank you for listening and sharing. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Jingress and copywritten 2015 Jingress Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Jingrass Global LLC.